Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to This Week in the Association, our NBA recap podcast. On the line tonight, it's my favorite uh, it's Will Stacks. Will, say what's happening. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? As we get through, like, the first, uh, I guess we're past the real over, uh, the quarter point of the season, uh, we're just kind of getting into that time where the NBA season is starting to kick in, where the uh, teams are starting to separate themselves from the good and the bad. Before we get into the four quarters tonight, we always have the tip-off topic, and the tip-off topic tonight is uh, – Thanksgiving. We're a little bit over a week away from Thanksgiving. Um, two questions. What is your favorite Thanksgiving food? I got to tell you, man, I'm a macaroni and cheese guy. I got to have my good mac and cheese. Uh, I am blessed to say my wife can throw down on that macaroni and cheese for <laughs> So I look forward to that uh, every Thanksgiving. Not to be overstated, you gotta gotta get some nice rolls to go with that meal, and not doesn't have to be King's Hawaiian either. But you gotta have some nice dinner rolls to go with that Thanksgiving meal. All right, all right, uh, all right. Then what is your least favorite uh, Thanksgiving? You know, there's certain things that people serve at Thanksgiving every year, and it just seems to get left on top of the stove with nobody touching it. What's your least favorite? You know those. Um, those types of things that um, uh, there, there's always some corn up there, you know. I'm always wondering <laughs> why is the corn up there, you know. It's not a corn type of thing, or at least not for me. You know, I want some good mac and cheese and some greens and some yams. That's what I'm looking for. Corn just doesn't fit in. I don't know. That's me. But then, you know, you have, you know, some of the desserts, Um if there's anything besides sweet potato pie, it's probably going to be sitting there. I don't know. Is sweet and, potato pie or bust? Yeah, that 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 is war amongst black folks, and this the sweet potato pie and pumpkin pie wars are um, like for real in the streets. Um, you know, uh, I think many families pie, are out over this. Pumpkin <laughs> pie? What is that? I'm not yeah. familiar with that pumpkin. Yeah, pie. I'm not either. Yeah, I'm not sweet either. Potato. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we get to the first quarter here. I tied up the first quarter of the week in LeBron James. Uh, this past week, he has dominated the headlines um, in on the court and off the court. Um, let's play you this first clip here of LeBron trolling Phil Jackson. Uh, the, the Knicks pass on a, on a really good one. And the Dallas and Dallas got the the diamond in the rough. He should be a Nick. That's gonna make some headlines, but he should be a Nick. But uh, Dallas is definitely. I know they're excited that he didn't go there. So, he's so unbelievable talent. A shot at the Knicks um, and not drafting his boy. That was a Dennis Smith. Dennis um, Smith out of North Carolina State. Yeah, I. You know, and he even prefaced it by saying that you know this is gonna make uh, the headlines, and it definitely did. Whenever LeBron speaks. You know, it's going to be some type of headline. Um, you know, I, I give him a, a pass on this one. I think a lot of people made a big to-do out of it when it really wasn't. He was just making a statement about the the player in, in mentioning Dennis Smith, not taking a shot at, at anyone else except for maybe, you know, like you said, Phil Jackson, if anything, you know, on who he drafted. He was not knocking 
uh, the French guard. I don't want to bend. Uh, his name. Yeah, yeah I don't want to, there's there's some names in the league this year for sure. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it definitely wasn't a knock on him. He's a solid player uh, so far this year in his rookie season. He was just stating, hey, I think the Knicks might have missed one in Dennis Smith Jr. out of North Carolina State. Yeah, a little bit over a year ago, I guess now, or almost a year ago, Phil makes his comments in ESPN, the magazine, about uh, LeBron and his posse, air quotation marks, and LeBron took quite the offense to it. What was your thoughts about it when Phil, went, you know, with that whole brouhaha last year? Yeah, Phil knew what he was doing, and uh, I think LeBron, you know, definitely has not forgotten and will not forget uh, that statement. Uh, and whenever he gets an opportunity to take a shot at Phil, he's going to do just that. He saw an opportunity. When talking about Dennis Smith, he said, well, hey, I'm going to direct it really at Phil, making a mistake in the draft. So, again, uh, he's going to take a shot at Phil anytime he can. Uh, because of, you know, kind of call it a, a long-term payback, if you will, against Phil Jackson. Yeah, the term posse definitely has uh, racial connotations to it and Phil, the master manipulator at all times. You know, and I think so was something to that story about that was kind of a shot also at, uh, at Pat Riley um, about allowing Pat, uh, how Pat allowed LeBron to kind of control the heat while he was there. Um, so, yeah, just some long-simmering feuds. Uh, LeBron definitely hadn't forgotten it. And then we get to the game. The Knicks and the Cavs play in Madison Square Garden. The Knicks get out to a huge lead and then blow it in the fourth quarter. Um, and then we get Enos Cantor here. You get to listen to him here in a second. Uh, he's going to take offense to what LeBron had to say. Um, did you get a chance to see that game? Well, I, well I, when I turned on the game, it was not a game at all. The Knicks were thoroughly dominating, whooping the, the, the Cavs in every facet of the game. And I turned away, as a matter of fact, and then turned back later, and then it's a ball game. And the Cavs end up winning in the end. You know, I guess you can never uh, say the game is over uh, until the last seconds. But... You know, the Knicks have one let us slip away for sure. Uh, a good game in the end for the Cavs to not um, – they already have taken a loss to the Knicks this year, definitely didn't want to lose another one. And so a good win, a good comeback by the Cavs, again, probably playing down to their competition in a sense, uh, at least for three quarters and then showing what they can do in the fourth. Yeah, 40-point fourth quarter, and they come back, uh, LeBron, with the step-back three right in front of uh, the unicorn's face uh, to get the go-ahead basket. Let's listen to Enos Cantor here uh, in the post-game conference because, obviously, he had taken a huge offense to LeBron taking a shot, or at least he perceived it at Nick Olivet. Uh, it was tough. Uh, we were up by 20-something, I think. Uh, I think we just gave up 40-something points in the fourth quarter. But I think if you look at it, uh, we we fight really hard. We play with uh, a lot of energy. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing: this team is really special. And you ain't coming to my house playing that water bottle foot game again. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't care who you are. King, what, what do you call yourself, King Quinn? Prince so Cantor's coming back and playing uh, Eastern European villain from every Bond movie. Um, <laughs> what? what, what well, he got. I will like. I will like the aspect. He's taken up for his teammate. He is. Uh, I, I do appreciate that, you know, where he felt that his teammate was being slighted, so he did want to 
uh, take up for his teammate. I give him credit for that. However, uh, the comments he made, you know, the king, king, queen, princess, uh, that, that was kind of, kind of weak if you say myself, but, um, you know, I get what he was trying to do. I give him credit for the effort. Maybe the execution wasn't as great. Right. Yeah, let's hear LeBron's response to Enos Cantor. Kind of said, and I'm going to quote you. You can call yourself King, Queen, Princess. Yeah, I know I heard that. That's corny. He, he caught what? What does it say to you? You can call yourself King, Queen, Princess. You're not going to pump us. Well, I'm the king. My wife so is the queen and my daughter is the princess. So we got all three clap back. LeBron posted an Instagram shot. Uh, yeah. MSG and says he's the king of New York. Is LeBron the king of New York? Well, you know, a long time ago when uh, LeBron made his initial decision before he chose to go to South Beach, I was one that had thought he was going to go to the Knicks. You know, I did think he was going to go there when he made his initial move from Cleveland years ago. Uh, he ended up in Miami, and we know the rest is history from there. But he has had a history of some big games in New York. Uh, so in a lot of ways, he may be right where whenever he stepped into the garden, he's put up some big numbers, uh, as he did leading the comeback uh, this week against the Knicks. Uh, so from that standpoint, he might have a point because he has played some outstanding ball whenever he steps on the Madison Square Garden floor. It's kind of interesting, too, that you finally really have a player Say for really Paul Pierce that has kind of challenged LeBron and gotten in his face about being LeBron. Uh, it's, it's just weird that it's Enos Cantor, right? Like there hasn't been another player in the league that has been like, you know, whatever about LeBron James. Yeah, that that is true. Um, you know, maybe to an extent Draymond Green a little bit. But on the same note, hey, LeBron uh, is, is on another level, you know, it's We'll, we'll compare him to Michael from the standpoint that Michael was the same type of way. Not too many people, you know, had the nerve to step up to Michael, if you will. Uh, and the same type of thing goes to MJ. He has earned a level of respect. And, hey, not too many people want to uh, face it because the LeBron James machine, if you will, and all the people backing him and all the media outlets that that know that LeBron is a big story – you know, some people don't want to get caught in that mix. And for that, from that, you know, LeBron is definitely the king. All right. Let's head into the second quarter here. Uh, the Celtics' win streak hits 13 games. Uh, Kyrie Irving misses one of those 13 games. He breaks the orbital bone in his face um, in a huge game against the Warriors on Thursday night, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Steve Kerr calls the Celtics the uh, team of the future in the East. Are they? Well, I think they're the team of right now in the East. I don't see, um, you know, from what they've shown, the, the young players they expected to grow slowly have uh, stepped right in and, and done big things. No Al Horford. He missed a couple games with concussion symptoms. No problem. Win streak continues. As you mentioned, Kyrie missed a game, catching an elbow in his face uh, from a teammate. He missed a game. They still win. No problem. He comes back with the mask. They win again. No problem. 13 straight. And again, their key has been on the defensive end. You know, they have played unbelievable defense 
and on the perimeter inside solid defense wins games. And when you have a score like Kyrie, you make a couple stops. That's all you need. The Celtics are playing some great ball. I am looking forward to Thursday um, when they play Golden State. Yeah, it's, um, that's going to be a great game. Like so, we'll leave it for the uh, for the wrap up there. Um, Kyrie goes with the clear mask. Uh, he has a great line about uh, last year when he went through the dark mask. Uh, he didn't want to pass because he couldn't see out of his uh, out of one of the eye holes. Uh, so he, like, yeah, he, he didn't mask. want to pass. Yeah, he didn't want to pass. Wink, wink. Uh, Kyrie, <laughs> if he had his way, he wouldn't be passing too much with the mask, without a mask. Whatever, you know, he's not passing on too much. Uh, Kyrie um, is a scorer first, and he's going to make sure that he does that. And he is leading the way for the Celtics. Um, hey, you got to give it up to the Celtics as well as Coach Brad Stevens. Um, he's leading the way 13 in a row. We'll see how long it lasts. Do you think that they're getting the respect that they deserve as the essentially the number one team in the league right now? You know, I don't think so. They are still an afterthought. It's still only seemingly talk about Golden State and Cleveland. And even with the struggles of Cleveland, people still think, and rightfully so, whenever you have LeBron, you know, you're still the top dog until you beat him. So um, I think regardless of how the regular season pans out, hey, like last year, the Celtics with Isaiah Thomas were the number one seed. But no one really, really gave them the respect as the number one seed. We saw what happened when they faced the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers really showed them who the true top team in the East was. It'll probably come down to a similar situation uh, later this year. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, hey, the Celtics are saying we're going to take care of what we're supposed to do. We'll let everybody else talk about whoever they want. We'll do. We'll stay in our place and just win games. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, definitely a big uh, statement opportunity for them uh, when they play Golden State Thursday. All right, so that leads us straight into halftime as Nasir Jones plays us in. Uh, we got a different topic here tonight. Uh, with the start of college basketball uh, over the last couple of days, uh, Duke and Michigan State play a, a decent game last night. Um, we're going to get into this idea. There was an article on ESPN that you had sent me about um, – and I don't know if it was from the undefeated or not, but it was basically saying should the NBA offer a redshirt season uh, for some of its top drafted players? Um, some te- some top picks have gotten redshirt years just from injuries. Not sure how serious those injuries were, but they've set out, and particularly a lot of the Sixers players, and B's got two years, Simmons got a year, uh, Nerlens Noel, who's not there anymore, also got a year. Uh, and when you sent that out, you were like, I think this is a ridiculous idea. So go ahead on a red shirt NBA season. Well, it is a ridiculous idea. I think also, um, you know, it was talks about Lonzo Ball and some of the struggles uh, that he's having. And should, you know, rookies get that red shirt year to just get us adjusted to the NBA life uh, before they actually step on the court? Um, I say that is, yeah, a ridiculous idea because if you're ready to play, you should be ready to play regardless. You know, like even if they were coming straight out of high school, yeah, at a maturity level, are they truly ready uh, as, as a man to step out and play? Maybe not, but on the court, they should be ready 
because that's what they do, play basketball. So the NBA instituting a redshirt year, I think that's what a lot of guys do, in a sense, by going to college for a year. That's kind of their redshirt year. If they didn't have to go to college for a year, I bet many of those guys would have gone straight to the NBA. So, you know, the, the idea of going to college for a year, then sitting out, for a year, then coming to play? No, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But you are right. If you ask the Sixers, hey, they got a uh, system working, and hey, <laughs> let's go ahead and go ahead and throw uh, Markel Fultz in that situation. It looks like he'll probably be uh, taking his red shirt year uh, this year, uh, his, as he was the number one pick overall, and he's having the shoulder, mental, head issues. Mm-hmm. And he probably will be out at least sometime, probably, like you said, uh, won't come back until next year. So I think it's a ridiculous idea. The NBA, my opinion, should go to the, or excuse me, NCAA with the NBA, should go to a rule uh, similar to college baseball. Uh, if you are drafted out of high school and you go straight out of high school, hey, all the power to you. Go for it and do it. However, if you go to college in baseball, you have to go at least three years. So if you make the choice to go to college, you have to go three years. I think basketball would be great if that was the situation. If you're good enough to go play, by all means, go play in the NBA straight out of high school. But if you go to college, Go for three years. It would help them grow. It would help the college game grow back to where it was years ago. Uh, and then when they got to the NBA after those three or maybe four years, uh, they would be ready. And so you wouldn't be thinking about uh, a red shirt year. They'll even be uh, mentally and physically ready uh, to step right into those NBA uh, again, so I think a method like that will help all parties involved, the college game as well as the pro. Yeah, I thought we were going to have a, a different take on this uh, from your initial uh, text about it, and I, th- I think we're kind of in a similar thought. I mean, we both grew up loving college basketball, and you know the fact that like a players like Stacy Augman and and uh, Larry Johnson played two years of like NCAA basketball is amazing because that would have never happened now because those dudes could have played straight out of high school probably. And what right, had happened definitely. with college, yeah, what happened with the college game with one and donor with high school is that it just killed college basketball. Like it's not it's anything. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, a collection of dudes that are around for a season, or maybe if you're lucky, and, you know, and then it's just a, a you know, a recycling of new players in and out. So it's just killed college basketball. I've, I've always been a fan of, like, look, it should be, you know, two and done. If you're going to force them to go, you know, do what the NBA does. You got to be three or NFL three years out of high school before you can declare for the draft. I'd go with two. And then that makes, you know, they get a chance to build their NBA bodies and their NBA resume before they come to the league because a lot of them aren't ready physically. I mean, this NBA is such a physical sport anymore. They're just not ready physically for the pounding. And you see that with some of these rookies now, even with um, yeah. like DeAndre Fox playing well and Lonzo Ball. They're just not physically ready for 82. And now, you know, that would give them an opportunity to train, build their bodies. And when they came into the league, they might be ready to play. I mean, I understand the losing the money part. Don't get me wrong. I, I, 
everybody should make as much money as they can from the from the league. I, I I'm okay with that, but it it's killed college basketball. Yeah, that's killed. But I think Lonzo Ball and his struggles is probably what brought this article, whoever the author was, um, probably what uh, prompted him or her to write the article was um, looking at a number two overall pick and showing his struggles. They're like, well, hey, if he had a red shirt year, um, then he would come in ready, you know, after that. But, um, you know, Lonzo, I'm sure we'll get it together to uh, an extent at least, I would hope. Um, but hey, other rookies are, are doing great. So you know, let's not bunch everybody in just because one might be struggling and say they all need to sit a year. Let's uh, let them go ahead and play, and uh, let the chips fall if they're ready for the NBA. Then go do it. Yeah, I, I think Lonzo Ball is suffering from the the hyperbole of his father that people thought he was going to become in it. You know, he was MVP of the summer league. I'm like, yeah, a lot of those dudes ain't in the NBA. Like, this is real man basketball now, like, every single night. And, again, like, I think he's going to be able to always get rebounds and get dimes. But he, I don't know how long he's going to be. I I heard Magic on Mike and Mike this morning or this week, and it was like, yeah, we're going to change his shot now. But, I mean, it has to be changed. There's no way he can continue that shooting motion and be a successful yeah. scorer in the league. Yeah, and let's think of uh, Magic Johnson as a rookie. If I recall correctly, he, yeah, he did have Kareem on his team at the time, but uh, he led his team uh, to the NBA championship, if I recall yeah. correctly. <laughs> Even Kareem got hurt in the finals. And they still were able to uh, cut down the nets with even Magic stepping into play center in place. But, hey, you know, that was a different time then. Uh, Lonzo's got to get it together, and rookies got to be ready. No red shirt years, unless you're the Sixers. <laughs> exactly. All right, we'll come out the tunnel for the third quarter. Hey, man, CP3 is finally returning. Uh, Thursday night, going to be back for the Rockets after missing the last, well, it's been three weeks. You know, he's been out since the first game of the season or the second game of the season. Rockets in second place in the West, uh, one game behind Golden State with the, with one game up on the Dubs. Uh, what yeah. does the CP3 bring back? Well, you know, the, I think the mystery's out there because they did not struggle when he was gone, you know, other than uh, they did pretty much still have um, a lot of the main pieces from a year ago, of course, led by James Harden. And, you know, a lot of them are picking up where they left off. You got Ariza and Gordon and Anderson, Capella, and, of course, James Harden. They're playing right where they were. I'm still, you know, Chris Paul played uh, only a few minutes in that opening night, so we didn't get to see how he blends in with the Rockets. So I think it's still a mystery uh, what's going to happen with him and uh, James Harden together. So, hey, second in the West. 11 and 4, the Rockets are playing some good ball. I'm sure they hope he doesn't come in and ruin the chemistry they have going so far. Uh, as a veteran leader, though, I'm sure he'll find his way. But, um, you know, I'm interested to see. I think the the book is still out to see how Harden and CP3 mix together to make the Rockets a strong team. Yeah, I, I do worry about the chemistry concerns because he hadn't been there and they played so well without him. You know, didn't miss a beat, like you said. And I wonder if that, you know, 
messes with CP3 a little bit because he is the team leader and he is going to come in and ball dominate. Do you think that? Do you think they have a strong enough coach to handle that? Because Mike D'Antonio, you know, he's been fine in other places, but when things have gone south a little bit, he's not been the greatest coach. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know it'll be interesting. The CP3 has a strong personality. Um, you know, he'll be strong in the locker room, vocal. Uh, he'll lead his team that way. He'll lead them on the court. Hopefully defensively it was one of the reasons he came over, showing the rest of the guys how to play some solid defense. Um, he'll find his way. Uh, you know, the Rockets have uh, determined that, again, Harden and Paul will not be on the floor that often together, except for maybe at the beginning and at the end. However, one of them will always be on the court at some point um, in the game. So, again, interested to see how it works out. Um, they're professionals. They'll figure it out. Uh, I'm sure the Rockets hope it doesn't take time because at 11-4, and four, they don't want to uh, struggle any and lose any pace with Golden State. They want to stay right with them. They get a big win this past week over uh, the Cavaliers as, Houston, or as Cleveland came down to Houston. Um, and, you know, they kind of put it to them there for a little bit there. Uh, so, yeah, they, they rise through the competition, um, unlike quarter number four. As <laughs> we go into the fourth quarter, the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, struggling at best, six and seven, ninth in the West at this point in time. Um, what do you think the struggles are with the with the Thunder? Well, of course, it still uh, falls on the defensive end where uh, – Oklahoma City has given up 110 points a game. Ball's in the middle pack of the league. But, you know, when they need a stop, they can't get that stop in in a close game. You need to make a stop. They can't get the stop and then control the rebound or some of that extent, you know, where they can't just put a team away. And they've given some uh, teams a chance to win, and uh, they've lost a few close ones. You know, they are struggling. I don't consider their struggle quite the same as, say, Cleveland, for example. Um, you know, they're still playing okay, but just can't finish teams off. Um, I still think the, the George, Westbrook, Carmelo mix is, is coming together, is coming together. Paul George is even elevating uh, his game. Uh, Carmelo... Um, we know he's not a defensive standout. You know, that's a given. That's not his game. Um, you know, what he needs to do is to do other things. You know, if he's going to score, he's going to score. But, hey, grab a few rebounds. Um, you know, make the right pass when necessary. And then also be a, a leader as a, as a veteran to some of the young guys on the team. So, um, you know, six and seven so far. I don't think uh, their struggles will continue. I still expect big things uh, from Oklahoma City. We're still early in the year. There's probably not a more polarizing player in the league uh, other than Carmelo. Um, I, I wrote in, the, I think, the notes that I sent you before. I was like, is this Carmelo just that dude? That dude that is just a good player, but you just can't win championships with him. Is he that dude? Well, there was a stat. He's, you know, he's a bona fide Hall of Famer. No, no question about that. When his career is over, 
that he's going to be one of the top scorers in the league when he's done, in the history of the league uh, when he's finished. But, you, you know, as a as like you said, a chemistry guy, guys playing with him, um, you know, he hasn't found that right mix. Maybe his best team maybe was his uh, last year in Denver, last full year in Denver um, before he came over to New York. But, um, you know, Carmelo just seems to, to struggle um, finding his way with his team. He finds his way. He can score the ball. No problem there. But as a teammate, you know, Carmelo, it just hasn't quite worked out for him. But, uh, hey, there's still time. OKC is going to figure it out. He's not Tracy McGrady in the playoffs, but there's some similarities there. Somebody that can get the ball in the baskets and can score, but just doesn't have, like, that overall team playoff success. God forbid this do- this goes south in Oklahoma City. What's next for Carmelo? Um, next for Carmelo is probably uh, the NBA uh, Tonight Studios. He'll be on NBA <laughs> TV. Uh, his career is definitely on the back end. Uh, not too many years left for Melo. Uh, if things don't work in OKC, I don't see him going anywhere else. I think it would be about time for him to ride off in the sunset. Does he chase the ring and try to get the banana boat thing with LeBron if LeBron leaves Cleveland, you like, know, which most of people suspect? I, I don't think so now. If he had gone initially, uh, maybe even a year ago, from New York to Cleveland, uh, you know, I think that was his opportunity to chase the ring there to go uh, when the talk was about he and uh, Carmelo for Kevin Love, even that um, there was some talk about that, a trade I would have made, by the way. Um, but um, if he didn't go there, uh, I don't think so. I don't think he'll follow LeBron if LeBron were to leave. If it doesn't work in OKC, I don't think it'll be many suitors. Uh, for Carmelo because he's going to want a, a big contract and I don't think anybody's going to be ready to offer, you know, Carmelo, a definitely fading superstar, any big money. So I think his career is uh, OKC or bust. Wow. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Every time I see him, it just seems like that dude, you know. He's just that dude. Like, eh, I mean, you you might be able to win with him, but chances are you're not if he is a key piece of your uh of your championship puzzle um and i'm yeah. i get you know, I, I get this i get the sense that even at six and seven even with those other two dudes even with you know russ being russ and you know literally the leader of the team city community and everything that's around it like you put like a dude like carmelo in there and it just changes like everything i, I don't know what it is about carmelo but you put him in these situations and it just there's, I don't know if it's chemistry. I don't know if it's attitude. I don't know. You know, the sports talk is always yeah. talking about does Carmelo really want it? I don't, I don't. I don't get that sense with him. But I just don't know that he's. Uh, I don't know, man. There's there's something about Melo. You know, I look at Olympic Carmelo. Yeah, he is dominant. He's dominant Olympic Carmelo in all facets. You know, he's he's a rebounder. He's a rebounding machine. And he needs to do things like that for OKC as well as put the ball in the bucket. If he does those types of things, 
I think the Thunder are headed uh, the right direction. So, um, you know, again, uh, Stephen Adams is going to bang down low. Uh, Russ is going to get it out and run on the break. Paul George, like I said, has elevated his game. You know, so Carmelo now has to find his niche. What is he going to do? Now he's got some uh, a couple of teammates to work with him. So, um, you know, we're still early in the year again. I keep I, I got I got faith in them. I I, I see a lot in Oklahoma City. Uh, they'll get it together. If, you know, if you look uh, a few years ago when the LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade first got together in Miami. Their first year out of the gate, they were nine and eight. Yeah, and and then they ran off about fifteen or so in a row. So I, I'm seeing something like that. My crystal ball tells me OKC is going to have a a run like that in them coming up soon. Uh, they'll get it together and uh, they'll put together some some wins in a row, uh, and then we'll be talking about them in a couple weeks as a team that's made a move after a slow start. Now they're running the Bulls tonight uh, in Oklahoma City up by plus 20 at this point, um, So, but it's the Bulls. Uh, <laughs> it's the Bulls. Bulls. Oh, yeah. yeah. Poor Chicago. Right. Poor Chicago. I mean, you know, we can decide and catch a 20 here real quick on that. Uh, I guess Miraches has come back to the team um, since getting his face cracked. And what was it? Was it? I forget the dude's Tony, name. Tony, Tony Snell. Tony yeah. Snell. Yeah. One he, of them has to go. Uh, even yeah. uh, Miritich's <laughs> agent said that he, that, that Tony Snell or him had to be traded. I'd have to agree. It would be hard for me to come back to a team where somebody just broke my face yeah. and then we're supposed to play on the court together. You know, that, and just like in the NFL when Geno Smith uh, for the New York Jets had an issue with the teammate in the locker room, yeah. uh, the next day that guy was gone. You know, mm-hmm. he was sent packing to another squad. Um, so I would anticipate one of the two have to go. I, I can't play with no dude that just busted me in the face. I don't know. And yeah. broke my facial bones. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that would be hard for me to do, and uh, I think Miritich's agent is cor- correct. Hey, one of us got to go. Miritich probably has the higher trade value uh, at this point as well, so if they were trying to get something back, uh, maybe you could get something back for him. He's played at least some above-average basketball at some times, um, but still, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's terrible. By the way, we didn't talk about this too. Rudy Gobert goes down uh, in a. I would. I'm a Heat fan, and I would say Dion Waiters' uh, move on him was suspect at best. Uh, Rudy Gobert going to be out for at least a month with his uh, with his knee, uh, uh, a messed up knee, um, and he's not actually one of my favorite players. You know, you don't get a chance to see the Jazz that much anymore. But he's actually one of my. You know, he's. He's one of my favorite, uh, like kind of players out, my European players out with. Yeah, you forget Utah's in the NBA. Like you said, they're <laughs> very seldom on TV, if ever. But they do have a, a team that was doing some positive things, and Rudy Gobert was a big piece of it. That play had some shade on it. You know, some people called it dirty. I didn't call it dirty, but it was. 
It had some dirt on it. I don't know. It was uh, there was some shade in Dion Waiters for sure. Um, they said uh, he wanted to. Say, I'm not a dirty player. There was some dirt, maybe a bit on that play. Uh, I don't know. And uh, the Jazz are going to pay the price uh, with Gobert out at least a month. And, um, you know, that's definitely going to put a, a big dent in what they wanted to do this year. Right. All right. So we get to our game of the week. Um, we we typically were like, oh, you can't pick the, like, the most obvious game. But since the most obvious game could be a NBA Finals preview, um, it's the Doves and the Celtics Thursday night, 8 o'clock TNT. Uh, full crew. I'm not sure if they're going to go out to Oracle for this since it's such a big game. Probably not since it's early in the season. Um, and who you got? Well, I mean, you got to go with the champs to start off. Uh, you know, uh, I'll give uh, Golden State the the early pick. Um, but, you know, hey, Boston is on a roll. And, you know, Kyrie is back, mask and all. Um, their whole team pretty much is back, I believe. Uh, yeah, Horford's back. You know, so they're they're ready to play. I expect um, they they won't shy down from Golden State. Uh, Jalen Brown, I expect him. He's going to try to score a hundred points in the first quarter. He's going to try to get off quick, take a bunch of shots. Uh, I can anticipate, especially uh, uh, going back to California where he played his college ball. Um, but uh, Golden State, I believe, still has the savvy that uh, Boston is looking for. And uh, if nothing else, uh, I believe Boston will learn from the game, whether they win or lose, that, hey, there's some still some things that we're not quite there yet. But um, I hope this game lives up to what it should. Um, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to Golden State versus Boston. Golden State on a little bit of a run here themselves. Uh, Kevin Durant missed a game. Uh, I think it was a thigh or a hammy or something. Nothing real serious. Uh, Steph Curry also uh, was suspected to be uh, a little bit hobbling as well. But um, yeah, this is this this is a statement game for uh, for Golden State. This they usually come out and do their thing. Except for opening nights, they usually come out and do their things at home against teams that they're supposed to beat. Um, so uh, it should be a good game at least for a half. A statement game for Boston, too. You know, they want to let people know, hey, our 13-game winning streak, uh, we play, we beat several teams that some people would say, oh, you're supposed to beat them. Hey, if they hang up number 14 against Golden State, then I think maybe some teams might give them the respect uh, they deserve. Uh, Steve Kerr has... Um, coach for Golden State, like as we mentioned earlier, he's given them some props, saying, hey, that's the team of the future. I think they're the team of right now. And uh, we'll find out a lot tomorrow night when they go face-to-face on the court. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, definitely as a stay-up late night. Uh, thank goodness they started in the tip is at 8, you know, instead of one of those typical West Coast tip-offs. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's that's helpful in terms of trying to get up to uh, go to the J-O-B in the morning. All right. Um, what you got for closeout music this week? Oh, we're going to close out with probably one of the, in my opinion, underrated hip-hop artists. Uh, this song is from 1999. We're going to go Next Universe. 
by most death. We talk about lyrical flow. Most yeah. death has to be way up there. He can uh, he can truly flow. So next universe, most death, nineteen ninety nine. All right. So as my, the mighty mighty most death starts to play us out here. Uh, the show will be taking a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, you know, we got people coming over, macaroni and cheese to eat, uh, pumpkin pie, yes, throw in the garbage. Um, so, yeah, so we'll wish everybody a happy turkey day. I'm going to throw one other curveball at you. Uh wasn't in the show notes, uh, as, as most plays us out. Uh, you know that the Brothers Comics is primarily a, a comic book podcast. Uh, what's your anticipation on Justice League? And did you ever see Wonder Woman? I did see Wonder Woman. I, I was impressed. I thought it was a quality movie. I thought it was a little long. There was a couple pieces that probably could have been taken out, but I thought it was a quality movie, made a statement. He had, heck, Superman versus Batman. I thought the best part of that movie was Wonder Woman making her appearance in that movie. So um, I think Justice League, it, the anticipation level isn't that high. I will go see it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm so <laughs> up in the air. Uh, I am curious, so I am going to go see it. Uh, I'm not rushing out to see it. I'm not going to be there on the first night. But, um, you know, I want to see what Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman is going to bring to the table. What kind of story are they going to spin with the Justice League? Um, we'll see. Um, my hopes are not high, so I don't want to be <laughs> don't want to be let down. But I definitely am curious about what the Justice League has to offer. Yeah, the DC movie universe is best to not have your expectations high at all, um, at all. Uh, the, the funny thing is my son was like hey can we uh, go see the movie on Thursday night I, I'm not a real big opening day person you know and a lot of these big movies that show them the Thursday night you know viewing not even at midnight you can catch a you know like a 7 o'clock and he was like hey can we go see it I was like mm, dub Celtics ball night son sorry we're not gonna be able to go <laughs> so, yeah sorry dude uh, we're not gonna be able to make it so, okay, so cool. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that review uh, on one of the other Brothers Comics podcasts. Uh, remember, you'll be able to find this podcast on pod, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, I think we're going to be on Podbean soon. Uh, so be looking for that, whichever is your favorite streaming application. Uh, you can listen to us there. You can actually listen to us live on TalkShoot as well. Like that. Um, that's about it. Hey, man, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me at MrWaters77 on Twitter, at MrWaters77 on Twitter, and at WillStack on Instagram. Again, at WillStack on Instagram. Hit me up. Let me know what you think of this week and the association. All right, and you can find the producer uh, at Brothers Comics, B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-T-S, on all of the same platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that. You can find me there. Uh, if you go to brotherscomics.com, you'll be able to also see the list of all the podcasts that we offer, including this week of the association with the Brothers Comics podcast, the uh, Mr. Robot podcast, 
the intersection. Um, there's just a whole bunch of podcasts that we host through the network. So yeah, find something, check it out, get your life. All right, so we're gonna say happy Thanksgiving to all these people as the mighty, mighty most death continues to play us out. Will Stacks, man, hey, have a great Thanksgiving. Hey, you do the same, my friend. Will Stacks is out. Peace. All right, we'll see y'all all after the break. Peace. <laughs>